um, a week I'm excited to talk about because it talks about the Holy Spirit. We're talking about, as you can see on top of your note sheet, the Holy Spirit's work in interpretation. Um, But before we dive into it, let me open up in prayer. Lord, we uh, love you and we praise you for who you are, Lord. We thank you for the opportunity for us to come together and look at your word and um, talk about how to rightly divide the word of truth, Lord. I pray uh, that you just continue to work in all of our lives, Lord. Reveal more of yourself to us by your Spirit, Lord. As we look at the role of the Holy Spirit, Lord, in understanding your word. Lord, we love you and we pray these things in your name. Amen. All right. So, if I were to broadly try to categorize some of these topics that we've been talking about, last week, I know it was a bit difficult, very technical, and I would say would land more on the philosophical type um, of side of, of things, since we talked about what is meaning and those sort of things. Uh, this week, we're getting more into the theological side of things again, um, because we're talking about the third person of the Trinity um, in hermeneutics. So, uh, quick recap of what we're doing this semester. Uh, we're talking about hermeneutics, right, which is Bible study methods, how we interpret God's word, right? And obviously, the Holy Spirit has to have some type of role in that. Um, since, as we talked about last semester, one of the jobs of the Holy Spirit is to reveal God to us, um, and he reveals him to us through God's word. So, who could remind us what kind of revelation is God's word? Special revelation, as opposed to, what was the other kind? General revelation, which comes from nature and um, all of the other means outside of God's word itself, right? Uh, And we talked about last semester how God reveals himself to us um, from the Father, through the Son, by the Spirit. So we talked about the Trinitarian um, construct of that. And so we're at the last end of that, how the Holy Spirit's up and personal in our interpretation, in revealing God to us in God's Word. So you can see there's four passages here in the very beginning. Um, could I have four volunteers of who wants to, who want to um, go to there and read them out loud for us? So who wants John 14, that passage? Anyone? Lonnie, you want to get that passage for us? All right. Then John 16, that's only one verse. All right. Thank you, Belinda. Uh, Then Ephesians 3. All right, Tom. And then the Peter passage, verse. All right. Thanks, Beth. Um. Oh. That's a good question. (laughs) There is. I didn't write it on. It's Second Peter. <laughs> um, so, starting in chapter fourteen, uh, we're going to start to see the formula, right, to remind us the formula of what God's revelation looks like, 
in the sense of the Trinitarian formula. What role does the Father, the Son, and the Spirit have in revealing uh, God's word to us? And then a lot of the other passages focus more so on the Spirit himself, um, which is appropriate, obviously, for tonight. So, uh, Lon, you want to start with the John 14 passage? Sure. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. If you love me, keep my commandments, and I will pray the Father that he will give you another helper, that he may abide with you forever. The Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. I will, I will not leave you orphans. I will come to you. A little while longer, and the world will see me no more. You will see me. Because I live, you will also, you will live also. At that day, you will know that I am the Father, uh, that I am in my Father, and you in me, and I in you. He who has my commandments and keeps them, it is he who loves me, and he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and manifest himself, myself to him. Judas, and not Iscariot, said to him, Lord, how is it that you will manifest yourself to us and not to the world? Jesus answered to him and said, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him, and he will come to him and make our home with him. He who does not love me does not keep my words, and the word which you hear is not mine, but the Father's who sent me. These things I have spoken to you while being present with you, but the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all things that I said to you. All right, thank you. Uh, you could focus, if you wanted to, a little bit more uh, on the last bit of what Lonnie read, um, really looking at verse 24 uh, through the end of what Lonnie just read for us. Uh, Right? We see the Father mentioned in the beginning there, and then we see the Son and then the Helper. Uh, Whoever does not love me does not keep my words, and the, world, and the word that you hear is not mine, but the Father's who sends me. So we see uh, a lot of these things. Right, The word of God is stemming, originating from the Father. Um, and since Christ is the perfect mediator between God and man, it's always through Christ. And then ultimately, the Holy Spirit's job is to remind us of what Christ tells us, right? Um, applying the truthfulness of God to us. Um, so we see a little bit of the Trinitarian construct here. So let's now focus a little bit more on the Holy Spirit himself. So let's continue with the other passages. Uh, the John 16 passage, who had that one? All right, Belinda. But when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all truth. For he will not speak on his own initiative, but whatever he hears, he will speak. And he will disclose to you what is to come. Yeah, so we see again, it's the Holy Spirit disclosing to us, teaching us, showing us what is to come, God's word. But yet, at the same time, it's not originating from him himself, right? It's coming from the Father. Um, and then Ephesians 3, uh, 52 here. It's really, I think it should be 5. I think the 2 is the second Peter. Okay. Um, so if it I might have these jumbled up. I apologize yeah, about right. that. Which in other generations was not made known to the sons of men as it has now been revealed to his holy apostles 
and prophets in the spirit. So that was chapter 5, you said? That was chapter 3, verse 5. Oh, verse 5, yes. Okay, so cross off that too. That's, that's yeah. Um, I put the semicolon in the wrong spot. That's what the problem was. Um, so again, it's by the Spirit, right? We're seeing these things revealed to us. So it's the Holy Spirit's job to reveal um, God's truth to us. And then finally, the last one, Second Peter. For no prophecy was ever produced by the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. Yes, carried along by the Holy Spirit, right? Uh, so I think for us as Christians, we have a good understanding, at least I would like to for us in this room, think that we have good understanding of the role of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Like I said, we talked a lot about this last semester. Um, But as you can see, this first section on your note sheet tonight is the Spirit as the divine author. Uh, So there's two different roles or jobs, we could say, for the Holy Spirit as relates to him being the author of the inspired word. Uh, The first one is inspiration. Uh, this is a word that I think we've heard often that we applied regularly to God's word. What does inspiration mean? How would you guys define it or explain it to someone? So we're looking at a completed past work of the Spirit and instructing the human authors to write what they wrote. That's uh, a nice brief way I would describe it. Right? So this is a past work of the Holy Spirit because we would say the, our Bible is completed, so there's no new inspiration happening. We have a closed canon. Um, we're not adding new revelation to God's Word. So this is a past work of the Holy Spirit in instructing the human authors, what to write, right? He's inspired them in what to write. Uh, And so we would attribute that to the Holy Spirit as ultimately the divine author of God's word, right? Not just coming from the Spirit himself, but from the Father through the Son, by the Spirit, God reveals himself by the Holy Spirit instructing human authors. So that's what inspiration is, right? Um, And then we also have illumination, uh, but before illumination, you could see I have on your note sheet the Second Timothy passage I think most of us are familiar with, um, talking about the sufficiency of God's inspired word. As you can see, it says, All Scripture is breathed out. Um, that could also be translated as inspired by God and is profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness that the, son of, or that the man of God may be competent and equipped for every good work. Um, So what the Holy Spirit reveals to us by by the work of inspiring human authors is everything we need to be completely competent in all that God has um, called us to do as Christians, right? We don't need anything else. Um, This talks about the sufficiency of Scripture, as I had mentioned. So that all falls under the inspiration component. Um, But let's look at the illumination uh, what's illumination? This is another term I'm sure we've heard of. You think it lights up 
lights up, right? If something illuminates, mm -hmm. something comes it to light. It, it makes it clear, clear in our heads. Yeah. In our hearts. Yeah, so Holy Spirit's making it clear. It's lighting up the truth in us, right? So this then speaks to the current ongoing work of the Spirit. So the first one, talking about the, police, uh, the past completed work, um, and then this one is speaking to the current work that the Spirit is doing now, right? There's new people coming to faith regularly, and so therefore we know the Holy Spirit is currently illuminating their hearts and minds to see the truth of Scripture. That's what that speaks to. So it's the Spirit's um, ongoing work to make Scripture living and active, as Hebrews 4 would talk about. Right? Um, and I think we could understand that. Uh, so this is kind of cool. When, it talks, when we talk about Scripture and the Holy Spirit, right? the Holy Spirit is the one giving us Scripture, the divine author, but then he's also the one helping us to understand Scripture, right? He gives us Scripture uh, through inspiration, and he helps us understand it through illumination. Um, we, well, I don't want to say too much because it'll answer some of these questions that we'll get into. A lot of these questions um, that on your note sheet, as you can see, are kind of overlapped in some way, and they, we could overlap on, on these questions as we'll see how the discussion goes. Um, but you could see the first question under this, right under illumination is, do we need the Spirit to understand God's Word? So we just talked about illumination, right? The Holy Spirit helps illuminate our hearts and mind in order for us to understand the things of God and what He says to us in His Word. So do we need the Spirit in order to um, understand God's word. What do you guys think? Oh, yes. What? Yes. Yes. Don't read ahead or on any passages or quotes yet, if you haven't done so yet. No. No. Okay. We don't. Nancy says yes. Let's Pastor Jason <laughs> says no. Wow. What What are some other thoughts? Well, why? Yes. You're asking if we need the Spirit to understand God's word before we. Um, give our lives to him or after? Well, because if it's after, then we have the Spirit, and we can't not use the Spirit afterwards. So this would be before, right? So someone who does not have the Spirit, the help of the Spirit, can they understand God's Word? So yes, no? I say no. You say no? But maybe not the, the deeper meanings, or that, like, there, I think there's extra meanings. There's yeah. extra. I mean, means. you can understand that Moses crossed the Red Sea and a bunch of people died. Yeah. But maybe you can't get a clear connection between that and what Christ did for us on the cross. That's good. Does anyone want to add to what Chris is saying? Yeah. My use of no is to say that I believe a non-believer can read 1 Corinthians 15 that Christ died for our sins according to the Scripture. Yeah. and believe that Jesus died for sins according to the Bible. So I would not even restrict that to the historical details of the Exodus event. Um, I would say that a non-believer is capable of reading words on a page and discerning meaning. Yeah. Well, clearly understanding it but not believing it. Like understanding that's what a Christian believes. Like, yeah, like I would, I would 
I would definitely go there, and I would say that the demons believe in shudder. Yeah. So, I mean, so there's different levels of knowing, it, it sounds like Jason is getting at. And I almost hear three different levels when you bring in the, de the demons as well, where there's a knowing where Christians know God, right? This personal communion with God that we have that's very devotional and, and personal, right? That helps us grow in spiritual maturity. There's that type of knowing. Um, there's a knowing that God, um, there's a knowing in the sense that the demons know where they truly know that he exists and that he is real, but there's no relationship there. Uh, but then there's also the, know, the knowing that you can know the words on the page, but not actually believe that he is true. Uh, so people could nuance it differently and describe it differently. Um, but we need to talk about the different levels maybe of knowing in order to help us with this type of conversation. But do we need the spirit to understand God's word? Uh, in some sense, no, as in you could read scripture as a non-believer and understand the stories and what's happening. But then on the other sense, yes, you need the Holy Spirit because apart from the Holy Spirit's illumination, you truly do not understand the actual intent of the entire book. Right? The intent of the book is to reveal God to us. Right? Why does God desire to reveal himself to us so that we may know him? I mean, if you read a lot of the prophets in the Old Testament... Uh, God does things. He pours out judgment and wrath so that we may know him, so that nations will know him, right? He cares for people. He cares about people knowing him. Um, and that's the intent of God's special revelation, God's word for us, to know him in a real personal way. And apart from the illumination of the spirit, that is completely impossible, um, and we could, we're not going to necessarily go into all of that and why that's impossible, uh, but the short answer is because of sin, right? And sin has corrupted our way of thinking, our ability to think properly and understand spiritual things. Um, so we want to interpret an scripture as Christians, right? So therefore, we have to rely heavily on the Holy Spirit, in order to help us with that. Um, so again, on the other side of things, can a non-believer understand Scripture? I mean, there are plenty of um, biblical scholars who don't profess faith in Christ, right? And so you could have some sense of in like intellectual knowledge. You could have PhDs who have um, PhDs in biblical studies who don't have relationship with Christ. They just have some type of knowledge that ultimately is doesn't mean anything right because there's no living and active truth in there but when you ever if you get, ever get taught by a, like say a college professor of theology mm -hmm. who is not a non-christian it's obvious they just don't get it yeah. so they didn't so reading it and that that level of knowledge it, there is that there is a separate or separate level that's why you know it's like uh, you just don't get it. You, you, you know, how can you be, you know, a person who re that's into a certain author and just not got it? Yeah. You know, saying that. So. Yeah, yeah. And it's easy to do, really, with Scripture, because the only way to get it is 
by God showing it to you himself, right? We can't get it at all on our own efforts. Um, and people like to do things on their own efforts, and so that's why it's easy to do for non-Christians. So, But I think that's a good distinction. And um, I need someone, I need a volunteer uh, to read 1 Corinthians 2. I, I want to do more verses than what I have listed on here on your note sheet. So uh, could someone turn there? Uh, chapter 2, verses 10 through 16. Uh, just so we could have a, a little bit more of a fuller picture of what's being said here. So, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 10 through 16. And this is talking, obviously, then more about the spiritual understanding of Scripture, like actually mm-hmm. understanding Scripture of how it's intended to be known. Should I start reading? Yeah, thank you, Nancy. God has revealed to us through the Spirit, for the Spirit searches everyone, even the depths of God. For what person knows a man's thoughts except the Spirit of the man which is in him? So also, no one comprehends the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. Now we have received not the Spirit of this world, but the Spirit which is from God, that we might understand gifts bestowed on us by God. And we impart this in words not taught by human wisdom, but taught by the Spirit, interpreting spiritual truths to those who possess the Spirit. The unspiritual man does not receive the gifts of the Spirit from God, for they are folly to him. He is not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. And you read verses 15 and 16 as well, just to finish up that section. Spiritual man judges all things, but is himself to be judged by no one. For who has known the mind of the, of the Lord so as to instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. Wow. Yeah. I, I wanted you to read through the end of 16 uh, to get to that last point that what's stated there, that we have the mind of Christ. Right. This is a significant thing. Um, think about Christ uh, the creator of this universe, who knows all things, right? Um, who chooses to reveal himself to his children, uh, and he gives us his spirit. How personal is that, right? He gives us his spirit, who knows the depths of him because it's his own spirit. Uh, he gives that to us so that we may have the mind of Christ. Um, and that's, this is why the Holy Spirit is the one who reveals um, Christ's mind to us and that we could understand these things. And right in verse 14 in this section, it explicitly says the natural person, referring to the person who does not have the Spirit, right, does not accept the things of the Spirit of God for they are folly to him. And he is not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. Right, so he is not able to understand the things of God, God's mind, uh, Christ's mind, because they are spiritually discerned. So here, it speaks explicitly to um, the first sense we talked about. Right, like you can't come to Christ at all, understand Christ at all, apart from the illumination of the Holy Spirit. Uh, so, 
how big of a role does the Spirit have in our um, interpretation journey? I mean, it's a huge role, right? Apart from him, you can't at all interpret God's word faithfully. Um, and to obviously a, a non-believer, that would be a big statement to hear. Uh, how they, they might think, well, how, who are you to think that I can't properly understand what this is intended to say? Um, but the truth is, this says you can't understand it unless you have his spirit. Right? Uh, so what, or do we need the Holy Spirit to understand God's word? Yes. Um, there is some sense you can't understand it apart from God's spirit, but uh, not in any way that it truly matters. Right. I, would, I would clarify, to go back to the Second Timothy, that it is possible to understand the words, but it is not profitable without the illumination of the Spirit. Yeah. Um, that the, the Spirit's required for it to be profitable in His illumining work. Yeah. And we touched on this last semester when we were talking about the Holy Spirit and how He is God's revealer. Um, when we were talking about what, what is actual special revelation and who actually receives it. Um, so that's all part of that discussion. But I think that's helpful, Jason. Um, all right, the spirit and the Christian interpreter, right? So the spirit as the divine author was the first section, and now the spirit as the Christian interpreter. Um, is the spirit, so this is an, the next big question, is the spirit all you need for proper biblical interpretation? So we identified the fact that we need the spirit, for sure, uh, now, the next question is, is he all we actually need to interpret this word, any of these words, all of scripture, all 66 books of the Bible, faithfully? Key word, faithfully. Is the spirit all we need? In theory, like, we can become sinless. So it, 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 it's possible, but likely it helps if we have uh, helps. Yeah, that's good. So, in theory, but it's helpful for us to have help. Okay. What are some other thoughts? So, in a way, we talked about the sufficiency of God's word in the Second Timothy passage, right? It's all that we need in order to make us competent Christians. To do all we need to do as Christians is found in God's word. We don't need anything else. So, now, is the spirit all we need um, in order to grasp the truth of God's word, which is all we need. Um, is the spirit sufficient in interpretation? I think it depends, well, for me, it depends on what I'm reading. Okay. Because there are passages that I would not, because they take place at different time and different circumstances, and all these things that I would never seen or heard of. Yeah. So I need help yeah. to understand it. Mm -hmm. And yeah. apply it to my life if I need to. And that's where the Holy Spirit comes in. Yeah. So, Jacob, are you saying, to, to clarify this, can I pick up a, um, a Bible in Russian and the Holy Spirit is all I need for biblical interpretation? Well, obviously, you have to be able to understand the words you're saying itself. Okay. But, so I mean, well, there's some, some qualifications, but, I mean, 
you could ask, like, do we need commentaries? Do we need to do these, learn these Bible study methods that we have been learning, right? We've been learning different Bible study methods uh, and how we are after the authorial intent and how we want to interpret Scripture literally, not allegorically, all of these things. Um, do we need to study and learn these things, or could we just, someone who um, just became a believer, just received the Holy Spirit, right? Fully received the Holy Spirit. They have all the Spirit. Can they look at Scripture and be faithful to the correct interpretation of it in their own language? Let's at least say that. Yes. Yes. Okay. I would say yes, because if you say no, that means you have to add something. Sure. And, the, and so what are you going to add that you say you have to do this? Yeah. And I can't think of anything that you would stake, put it on the same part of scripture. Yeah. There was like, like, you're a Bible history guy, right? There was many guys before, like, who didn't, who just, what's the one guy who was in prison? Like, he wasn't a doctor of anything. He just, like, learned it while he was in prison oh, as he John, was reading. Yeah, Bunyan, you're talking about Pilgrim's Progress. Right. Or Pilgrim's Progress. And he was, and now, like, we look to him for answers to the Bible, right? Mm. So. But do we need to look to him? Do we need to look to others? No, but I think it just fills out our understanding. Yeah, and I think you guys are right. Um. Because if this worked perfectly and we said we don't need help, um, I mean, I, I agree that the Holy Spirit is sufficient, but we could, we could talk a little bit more about that. Um, but it's good to have help because otherwise, if it worked perfectly all the time, no matter what, we should only have one interpretation of a text always. Um, think about baptism, right? Uh, there are many faithful believers who have a different understanding of baptism as we do. Um, so, I mean, those are, so those are some of the things we could talk about. Uh, I don't want to actually get really into that one yet because we're going to address it a little bit more later on tonight. Um, but you could see, I think it's on the next page for you all, uh, a quote I have from the Duvall and Hayes text grasping God's word. Um, and they said it very and explicitly in a way, I don't know if I would word it the same way they did. You can see it says, when it comes to biblical interpretation, having the Holy Spirit does not mean that the Spirit is all you need. The Spirit does expect us to use our minds, proper inter interpretive methods, and a good study and good study helps to interpret the Bible accurately. Um, I understand like what they're saying, right? It's good to have help to know to use our minds. Um, but like I said, I think I would word it a little bit differently than Duvall and Hayes says it because in the beginning it sounds very explicit that the Spirit is not all you need, um, because the Spirit also expects us to then gives a list of different things for us to use. Uh, I think I would nuance it a little bit differently in saying that the Spirit needs to be at work in all the other things that he lists, right? It almost With this, at least this text, um, taken as a quote outside of the context of the rest of 
the chapter that I took this from. Um, it makes it sound like the spirit is over here, and then, then there's these other things that we could add on in order to interpret scripture faithfully. Uh, but I think as a Christian, right, when we have the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit indwells, works out in all areas in life, right? He renews our mind. Um, so therefore, uh, using our minds isn't separate from the Holy Spirit. It's the Holy Spirit working, working it out in our minds, right? Proper interpretive method. As we work out in the proper interpretive method, it's the Holy Spirit guiding us in those things. So I wouldn't necessarily say the Spirit plus these things, right? But it is truly just the Spirit, um, but he encompasses all of these things. I think that's how I would probably word it. Uh, I think if, if we all were surrendered and the Spirit was controlling us in all phases, that would be all we need. But mm-hmm. the problem is, not only do we have the bias of the sinful nature, we have all the other tons of biases when we go on, go into it, that uh, that hinder the spirit from, you know, you know, today was busy, today, things as we heard a sermon from somebody and that's tainted our thing. And therefore, you know, the Holy Spirit, you know, it has to work doubly hard to kind of nudge us in the right direction. And as that's part of the reason why there's so many different interpretations, because everybody has read it with their perspective. And then, you know, maybe the Holy Spirit was nudging, but the way they, they took it and we're hindering. We don't want to go with the Catholic part, which was, it, you know, there is no personal interpretation of Scripture. you got to go to the papal, you know, for interpretation. But, but we also get the, the part where we don't want somebody just to come, oh, it's the Holy Spirit just told me this, and we'll all follow this person because that's the one thing, because we don't know at what point you know, the Holy Spirit really is truly nudging them into the right direction. Yeah, I mean, it, it's, a, it's hard, right? Because as you're correctly pointing out, that... Uh, we can hinder the Spirit in many ways as believers, true believers, as uh, quenching the Spirit, right, as Scripture talks about. Um, and so this, we'll get into like the next section that we're going to talk about quickly um, about spiritual maturity and what that looks like uh, in listening to the Spirit. But it, it gets complicated because some individuals can say, well, I'm truly with all my heart trying to follow God's word, listening to his spirit, trying to be sensitive to that, right? You could have multiple people earnestly trying to do that, and I think they think they're trying to do that faithfully, right? And still come up with different interpretations. Um, so this is why it gets, it gets difficult and it gets hard. Um, so well, let's look at this next section, uh, talking about spiritual maturity uh, and whether we're quenching the Spirit. Let's have that all part of the conversation. How does spiritual maturity affect our ability to hear the voice of the Spirit, right, the divine author uh, who inspires and illuminates in the Scripture? So how does the Holy Spirit affect our ability to hear the voice of the Spirit in the Scripture, so therefore really affecting our ability to interpret it faithfully? 
does spiritual maturity have any bearing on this? It should because the more you study, the more you read, the more scripture you take in, and the better you understand it. It takes a long time sometimes, but some of it's hard to understand. <clears throat> but it seems to me when the Spirit is helping you, but maybe you can only learn part of it at a time. You have to at least be mature enough to accept the truth. Yeah. Well, sometimes too, I think it's like you need to like hear the Spirit to grow to understand that you heard the Spirit. So the next time you hear the Spirit, you know that you've heard the Spirit, and you can keep. Like it's like, oh, I that got answered. So he like grows you as you grow. You know, like oh, this must be the Spirit talking to me. Like. Let me heed it, but sure. I think like that's a, a it's a small thing to to learn. Yeah. Yeah, I mean it's difficult because then based on how you just said that, I could then ask you, well, um, what does the spirit sound like when he when he speaks, right? Um, and there's not really a good answer necessarily to that. Uh, the spirit sounds like scripture, at least he should, right? Because he's not teaching us new things, as we've said. But it's bringing to mind the things that are already in Scripture, right? Reminding us the words of Christ. That's what the Holy Spirit does. So that's kind of what it sounds like to listen to the Spirit. Um, but I would say, yes, there is some bearing on this, but it's not perfect, though, either. Uh, and we'll get to that in a bit. Because once you grow in maturity as a Christian, right, we, we should be growing in our sensitive sensitivity to the Spirit, as you all are mentioning. Hopefully not quenching the Spirit as often, right? Hopefully not falling into sin and being blinded to the things that God has for us as much, right? But it's a, it's a process. It's, a, it's our sanctification process. Um, so, but it, it doesn't work perfectly, right? Because just because one person is on the outside, seems to be more spiritually mature, that does not mean that they have a better interpretation of Scripture as opposed to someone else who may be less spiritually mature, right? So it doesn't work perfectly, but there is some, I would say, there is some type of correlation uh, to this. So yeah, spiritual maturity does have an effect. Um, But again, I think it's difficult because we talked about the different levels of knowing, right? Being spiritually mature um, helps more so in the first level of knowing, right? In actually knowing God intimately, right? When you're spiritually mature, you spend more time with him in, say, your devotions, right? You pray to him regularly. You know him. Uh, You see him and you understand his character, his attributes in Scripture, and how that's being played out. But someone who's less spiritually mature could know more, in a sense, about God theologically, but have it not truly be affecting their hearts spiritually. Um, so that's why this is a little tricky to, to talk about. Um, I wanted to come back to the baptism example and our understanding of baptism, right? Whether we should baptize believers as we do as Baptists, obviously, or if we should baptize infants. Um, 
we obviously believe we have the right interpretation of how we ought to baptize. Uh, does that mean we are more spiritually mature <laughs> than, say, uh, other denominations who baptize infants? Uh, I, I would not necessarily go there, obviously, right? Um, there could be many faithfully, well, more mature spiritual Christians um, than me who are further along in the sanctification process uh, who I believe are wrong in their interpretation on baptism. Um, so this is why, why it gets tricky, even though there is some correlation there. So are you guys following? Yeah. <laughs> Nancy? Wait till someone understands what they're doing and get the heart to God. They understand that. We're just, why would we wait till they understand? Because the babies don't understand. Mm-hmm. So, so christening is one thing, just sprinkling them in water, but it's not heartrending because they don't understand it. Yeah. So you want them to understand what they're doing. Yeah. It, but what he's saying is spiritual maturity is not just getting every fact right could be a heart thing and they could have they could have that wrong but have the have a better heart for God you know so you know so so we we could think we're superior but you know we we you know have gluttony in our heart or do all sorts of things that we're we're like ignoring and and you know yeah yeah ideally right our uh, as we grow spiritually we should be growing theologically, right? Growing theologically means that we're just growing in our understanding of who God is. That's what theology is. It's the study of God, understanding more of who he is. Um, And so as we grow spiritually, we should be growing theologically. Uh, And like I said, we talked about this last semester, and this affects the way we we define what theology is. And I would not define theology ultimately as just an intellectual knowledge of who God is, right? Theology is, um, as William Ames, I quoted him last semester, who was a uh, 17th century Puritan, would say, it's living to God, right? There's this communal component to it. Um, It's this living and active, spiritually actually knowing God devotionally is, um, is theology. It's not just an intellectual understanding, that's what Christian theology, true theology is, but we like to make it an academic thing and just talk about the intellectual knowledge of, of God. So there's some distinction there. But, um, but let's, let's move on. Um, you could see Van Hooser. Uh, there's a quote here that I talked about him last semester, as well, or last week, I should say, as well. The Spirit's work in interpretation is not to change the sense, or i.e. the meaning of the text, but to restore us to our senses, right? To help us grow in spiritual maturity, to help us um, restore our senses to be more sensitive to the Spirit, right? Our senses are completely distorted and corrupt from sin. I mean, that's just the way it is, um, and the Holy Spirit, as he's working in us, hopefully is restoring our, um, our mind, right? Our heart, um, the way we hear, right? 
the Spirit or hear God working, um, hear His Word, I should say, uh, and so those sort of things. Uh, you could see Romans 12, chapter or verse 2, um, says, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. Right? This is the restoring of your senses. Uh, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Um, it's interesting to me um, that I think we like to talk about God's will, and we talk about it in the sense that we have no idea what it is. Right? What is God's will for my life? I think... Um, um, the IMB guy, uh, Pratt, what's his first name again? Right. Yes. Uh, talked about this when he preached. Uh, he was like, well, I don't understand why we're always trying to find God's will like it's missing, right? Um, God's will is revealed to us in God's word. Uh, so that, and what is God's will for us to know him, right? And ultimately fall down on our knees and worship him. It's all about that. Uh, and making more worshipers for him, which is ultimately done through missions. Um, right? But the renewal of our mind is all part of that. And this is the work of the Spirit doing this in us. Right? Uh, the renewal component is the Spirit renewing us. And we see this specifically in Titus, I believe, chapter 3, verse 5. Um, it's the Holy Spirit that renews us to make us more, look more like Christ. Right, renewing our senses, and then hopefully as we grow spiritually in our sanctification process, this then allows us to be more in tune with Scripture, right? Then, so that we could interpret it more faithfully, right? Be more sensitive to to God and His will, so that we can know it. All right, it's not hiding. Um, look at this next section. What does the Spirit do? and not do for us when we attempt to interpret the Bible as Christians. So we've been talking, I think, all around this question. Um, what does the Spirit do? Let's start with that. What does the Spirit do when we interpret the Bible as Christians? So in this question, I'm asking as Christians, so obviously we have the Spirit. What does the Spirit do? Um, what were some of the things we've talked about? Or illuminated. Illuminates, yep. Makes us more sensitive. Makes us more sensitive to scripture. Convicts. Convicts, yeah. I have three things listed here on my sheet. I have, it gives us the ability to apply meaning. Um, so scripture tells us how to live as Christians, how to worship, Right? But we don't have the ability to do those things if it wasn't for the Spirit as well, right? Um, and we see this played out in the spiritual gifts, right? The Spirit is the one who works in us to be able to even do the things that Scripture tells us to do. Um, which is kind of cool. I mean, you could see how all-encompassing the Spirit's role is in, on, is in this, right? The Spirit inspires, so therefore authors the text through human authors, 
right? He illuminates, illuminates the text for us so that we can believe it and know it's true. And then the Spirit also then gives us spiritual gifts to be able to do what the text even says, right? So apart from the Spirit, we are completely able to do nothing on our own as it relates to this. Um, and then I also have this, uh, he gives us the ability to discern the theology of a passage, right? To, dis- to, discern, to discern, I can't even speak right now, um, what the text is saying. And then I also have what Lonnie had mentioned. He gives us the ability uh, to be convicted by the word for repentance, right? He gives us the ability to be convicted um, by the word for repentance. So this is what the Spirit does, right? I mean, you could list more things. Um, but what does the Spirit not do? Let's go on that opposite side now. What does the Spirit not do for us when we attempt to interpret the Bible as Christians? Uh, let's think of, try, try to think of some things that some people might think, wrongly think, or attribute the Spirit as doing that he does not do as we try to interpret Scripture. Like the Holy Spirit told me to go to the mall today and buy a red shirt. Okay, so the Spirit does not, I have that written down, does not create new meaning or provide new information, right? Again, Scripture is closed. He already inspired the text. Uh, That's the past work. The current work is what? The other one. What was the other one? illuminates, right? That's what the current work is of the Holy Spirit as it relates to um, interpreting Scripture. Um, So the Spirit does not create new meaning or provide new information, right? The Spirit also does not change the Bible to suit our purposes or to match our circumstances, right? The meaning of the text does not change, Um, I mean, you could think of maybe someone saying, well, the Holy Spirit, uh, through this text, told me I should do this, right? And maybe they might have completely misinterpreted or taken the text out of context, uh, so therefore changing the meaning of that specific text. The Spirit doesn't do that, right? So there's one inspired meaning throughout the, through a certain passage, right, um, and that stays constant, and it's the Holy Spirit constantly, regularly illuminating individuals so that we may understand the one inspired meaning of the text. Right. So those are the two I have listed for what the Spirit does not do. Um, does anyone, could th- anyone think of anything else? I didn't come up with anything else, so if you did, you could. But uh, so, I mean, th- this is a lot, right? The Holy Spirit, as you can see, is doing everything for us. Uh, it gives us the ability to work out um, God's word, as in growing in a holy Christian life, and growing in our sanctification process. He's the one who um, shows us. Um, the meaning of the word. He's the one who first inspired it. Um, I mean, this is, uh, I would say, 
deep and strong um, pneumatology. Pneumatology is the doctrine of the Holy Spirit. Um, and I want to point that out because us, sometimes as Baptists, are, we get the rep that uh, we don't have a strong theology of the Holy Spirit, right? Because we um, say we don't do sign gifts, right? We, we, don't, we don't see healing necessarily happening in the services. You don't see the tongues um, happening in the services. You don't see interpretation of tongues happening in services, uh, in our worship services. And so culturally, maybe even within the Christian culture, we might be accused of not having a strong pneumatology. Uh, but, I mean, in reality, uh, I believe we do definitely have a strong pneumatology uh, from the Baptist perspective. Um, and just, I mean, this goes beyond just the Baptist denomination. Um, uh, that it's the Holy Spirit ultimately doing everything for us that we do as Christians that's pleasing to the Lord. Apart from the Spirit, we cannot please God. Apart from the Spirit, we cannot um, be united to the Savior who um, do, does all things through us in order to make our actions pleasing to God, who makes us holy. So, I want to end with this passage from Ephesians chapter 1. And this is one of Paul's prayers. You can follow along. It says, I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of him, having the eyes of your heart enlightened, that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you. That's, oh, I mean, what are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints? And what is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe according to the working of his great might? Right? So, apart from the Spirit, we cannot know God. Um, the Spirit is one who reveals all the things um, God has chosen to reveal to us coming from the Father, through the Son, by the Spirit, um, through inspiration and illumination. Um, as you can see on the next sheets, uh, the reflection for the week is ultimately a prayer, uh, showing again how to pray. We talked again about this last week, or last semester, I should say, that praying by the Spirit, through the Son, to the Father. Uh, it's the reverse um, order of God's revelation, right? We come to God by the Spirit, through the Son, to the Father. Um, so that's a reflection for this week, and you could see then the article on the back is to prepare for next week as we talk about um, application. Um, so we've talked a lot about a bunch of different things so far this semester, um, and Sam, Pastor Sam next week is going to uh, finish up this first part of this semester about application. How do we apply now God's word uh, in our lives? Uh, so I'm excited for that for next week. And then after next week, uh, we are going to make it a lot more practical in us practicing uh, these things. We'll be looking at different genres each week um, and trying to interpret, uh, use the interpretive methods that we've talked about uh, in order to um, look at um, the different genres in Scripture. 
So that'll be then starting in two weeks from today. Cool. All right, any final comments, questions, or anything that we've talked about? Are you guys tired? I just kind of like. <laughs> what was that? These weren't very controversial. I tried at the beginning. I know. She wanted to get a little spicy. I know. I should have thrown something in there that would have been a little questionable. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, let me close out in prayer and then we'll be finished. Lord, we love you and we thank you that we could um, come before you, Lord, as your children, Lord, and you uh, desire to be known by us, Lord, and you have given us the ability to know you, Lord, um, by your Spirit. Lord, we thank you that we can have the mind of Christ, Lord. Uh, through your spirit revealing uh, revealing the deep mysteries of who you are to us, Lord. We thank you for how personal that is, Lord, how strong that is, how incredibly awesome that is, Lord, that we can have this intimate communion, um, communal relationship with the creator of this universe, Lord, with you. Lord, I pray that we just continue to um, study your word faithfully, Lord, uh, in order to know you more, Lord. Let that be our, uh, our motivation for it, Lord, so that we may fall more in love with you and honor you more with our lives. Lord, we pray these things in your name.